Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 7, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 80, the first paragraph, which begins with Before Taking Drastic Action. We will be reading and commenting on the four full paragraphs on the page, ending with, This All Happened Years Ago. Today's readers are Esther F., Kathy F., Carmela G., Lisa B., and Craig F. Our newcomer greeter is Robin S. The reference number for yesterday's Sunday, August 6, 2017, special edition meeting is 10243. 10243. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Esther F. from Cleveland, Ohio, a compulsive overeater. Uh, The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, stopped prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry... Uh, this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service in my past. 
And thank you, Esther F. I will now ask Kathy F. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, Kathy F. from Massachusetts. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does not request, does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 80, the first paragraph which begins with, Before Taking Drastic Action. We will be reading and commenting on the four full paragraphs on the page, ending with, this all happened years ago. I will now ask Carmela G. to read that for us. Good morning. This is Carmela G. from New York. A grateful compulsive overeater recovered for today, thank God. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, 
ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong. He could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands, or he would soon start drinking again, and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His actions met widespread approval, and today he is one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. Well, as we know, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is our instruction manual to go through the steps. And the instructions are that we be thorough and honest when we're reviewing our inventory. But the instructions also state that we select a guide, a sponsor, to walk us through these steps. Because left on our own as compulsive overeaters or addicts, um, so to speak, we are all addicts, we have defects of character, and they drive us to be dishonest, to be deceitful, and this leads to guilt and shame. And our initial reaction is, oh, I want to rid myself. I want to feel good. I want to unburden myself immediately. But that's why we have the book. The book instructs us that we do nothing without first discussing it giving it up to God, and discussing it with another human being so that that human being can look objectively and honestly with us and have integrity so that we will do the right thing and yet not hurt anyone else or protect ourselves as well So it is after this 
that we make the amends. And amends, remember, is not apology. It's change of behavior. And this man changed his behavior and became a respected part of the community. Thank you for for allowing me to share. I thank. Okay. Thank you, Carmela G. I'm sorry if I cut you off. I thought you were <laughs> finished speaking. This is Rebecca F. And um, who would like to share on um, these four paragraphs that Carmela just read and shared? Katie G. from Boston. Larry K. Larry K. Anyone else want to get in line? Okay. Vasa O. Oh, I got you, Vasa. Katie T. Go right ahead. Hey, Rebecca. May I be heard? I hear you, Katie. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Rebecca, for your service. This is Katie G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic. I, too, love this line that I had to place the outcome in God's hands, or I would soon start eating again and all would be lost anyhow. Yeah, I mean... I forget that these, this amends process is not about the outcomes business, um, that this is really about acknowledging my behavior, giving back people's reality of my behavior, and then changing, right? And a couple of stories came to mind. I know I shared last week that I made an amend without um, consulting my husband, and I really wish I had been perfect and remembered this line and, and gone to my husband and said, husband, I'm about to write a $3,000 check, but I was still in the mindset of this is my money. Um, and you know what? I made a mistake. I owned it and uh, moved forward. And now I'm learning. Um, another thing that came to mind in terms of business is um, I was a manager many different times and was very unkind to people. And and I desperately wanted to make amends to these women. And when I contacted the company, they said they basically wrote me this formal letter that was like, stay away or else we're going to have to take some legal action, right? And, you know, the good news is like I could acknowledge that. I could be prepared for it. Um, I also went to an unemployment company because I had lied about a woman's behavior and could have impacted but didn't know whether or not she got unemployment. I went to them and I was afraid. I was deeply afraid that I was going to owe money to them, that I was going to owe money to her. Um, but I showed up. I explained what happened. They anonymously you know, looked it up. They were able to let me know what happened. And, and thank God, I'm a free woman today. You know, And it has taught me how to have integrity um, at work and how to have integrity in my life. The other thing that came to me when um, I was thinking about the principles in this writing is that um, I'm cautious about how I make my amends. Um, so I had um, sexual and other behaviors that came up in my father's house um, where I took possessions of his that were illegal that I shouldn't have been using and I used them, right? But it wasn't appropriate for me to go to my father and say, Father, this is what I did, and rub his face in inappropriate actions. But it wasn't also appropriate for me to say, hey, I'm just going to make a living amends. No, I had to go to him. I had to make an appointment and say, hey, Dad, I was not the kind of daughter that I needed to be, and I behaved in inappropriate, in inappropriate ways, and I, and I regret my behavior, and how can I set this right? 
Um, so, you know, thank you, God, for the teachers that continue to teach me as I make mistakes but move forward no matter what. And thank you, God, for the reminder that I'm not in the outcomes business. This is about suiting up, showing up, owning up, and moving on and changing. And with that, I do pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie G. Larry K. Hey, Larry, you there? Here I am. Here you are. <laughs> I couldn't find myself, Rebecca. But I'm here now. That's okay. We got you, Larry. Okay, we could good. find you when you can't find yourself. Good. You know where to find me. You know where to find right. me. God knows where to find me, too. Okay. So let me uh, set my timer here. Larry Kay um, recovered our compost warrior from Chicago. Yeah. I, you know, in reading these, um, these paragraphs, it, you know, it certainly draws my mind back to the man I used to be. Um, I don't know that that was a very attractive man. I don't, I don't believe so. I'm a different man today by the grace of God. I'm reminded of, um, an individual that I worked with, another professional in my field. And I remember happening upon, and it never happened upon anything, okay, but I'll just use that term and you can use your imagination, happening upon some outside business dealings that she was engaged in. Now, um, boy, lovely social media, right? I can use that. I can use that to manipulate now, she was engaged in some outside business interests. She was working full-time for our clinic. And, um, you, know, and, 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 you know, I would like to tell you at, from my moral high ground, I just tripped upon this information and out of just a sincere obligation to do right, you know, well, you know different, and I know different today. What was going on for me and I revealed, I took that information to the employer. And what was going on for me at the time was, you know, things were a bit tenuous at my employer. And um, boy, if we could thin out the herd a little bit, if Larry can sort of thin out the herd based on standing on his moral high ground, that would make things better perhaps for Larry, or so I thought. And I brought that information and I self-justified. We're wonderful self-justifiers. I know I was. Still can be at times. I don't act that way anymore. But I, I justified it well. Look at what she's doing. You know, and uh, how horrible. As if I didn't do things along those lines at different times in my life. And I brought that to the employer. See, I'm not the, not the same guy today. Um, I, don't, I don't manipulate nearly as often. I'm still human, but I don't manipulate in that way. And God has done something for me. God has brought me an awareness when I'm slipping back into old patterns of thinking because my behavior follows my thinking. So somehow I'm given a pause when I see my thinking going in that direction on all sorts of fronts in my life. And God gives me some direction. And I, I don't think the way I used to think. And thus I don't behave the way I used to behave most of the time. And when I do catch myself, you know, God, God is in charge. Last I'll say, Rebecca, is I, I wish used to be eight, the old 80-20 rule. 80-20, 80% of the time in program, I was engaged in thinking about my food plan, wrapping up here. 
and 20% about God. Today it's flipped. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Vasa O, you're next. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rebecca, for your service. And Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Florida. And it's just amazing. Everything I needed to do to know is right here in this book. Just follow the directions, the instructions are there. And, of course, I needed a sponsor to help me at the beginning. And uh, and then I could go to more meetings, and I developed um, friendships and relationships. So she was not the only one that was directing me, helping me. I have other people, like here at this meeting, listening and just absorbing stuff. And as I said, the steps are laid out the way they're laid out for a reason. And I learned I needed to do one step at a time, especially for the first time I went through the steps. So making amends uh, for me was a changing behavior and and my attitude, and that came from God because, you know, I did not get abstinent by myself. If I could have done it, I would have done it many, many years before I came to God, to this program, to do 12 steps. My biggest fear that I had, well, I had a lot of fears, but the biggest fear was that financial insecurity. And, you know, my husband and I decided I would stay home and take care of the children and quit my job, and he was going to take a part-time job. I don't want to tell you my whole life story right now. But anyways, I... I was not given enough money to for food or, or to run the house for many years. So when I came in program, you know, um, God gave me the strength and the encouragement for other people to get a job, and I did. I became a daycare provider. So it was booming. My job was booming. I couldn't believe it, and I was really doing good. And I started hiding my money because I justified, well, he's got enough money to go to the golf course, or to in the country club, or for his hobbies, sports hobbies, I had a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, and I started hiding the money from him. Uh, again, justified. I'm going to do what he did, you know. But anyways, I did that for a couple of years, and it bothered me. I, just, I needed to be honest, and I needed to be truthful with him. And then I did integrity. I did start telling him. But I did open my own account because I needed to have that. And it's not that I'm looking security through money, but sure, sure, it was nice to have my own money to get what I needed to get and then to spend things, further things, extra things that we need in the house. Like every once in a while I get a washing machine or other things. And I'm sure he was pretty happy about that. Uh, it's, this program is amazing if you if somebody's coming new please stick with it it works this is the only thing that's worked for me in my life so grateful thank you for letting me share that pass thank you vasa o would anyone else like to share on these four paragraphs on page 80 lori t did you say laura t lori lori got it Lori T., before you go, let's just see if anybody else is waiting to speak up. Laura H. Did I hear Laura H.? Yes. 
Okay. Ramona A. Ramona A. Anyone else? Okay, we have Lori T, Laura H, and Ramona A. Lori T, go right ahead. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Good morning to everybody. This is Lori T, compulsive overeater. Um, I see so much of myself in the sky. Um, it says, while drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a severely hated business rival, giving him no receipt. Um, my guess is that the rival didn't know he was bitterly hated because he probably wouldn't have given him the money. So uh, my my contempt for humanity when I'm in my disease, um, I think, um, is demonstrated in the story. I'm not able to love or care or even be honest with people and say, you know, I hate your guts, but can you loan me some money? And by the way, I'm not going to give you a receipt because I'm smart enough, manipulative enough to know that this is an opportunity I can use in the future, you know, should I need it in my back pocket. So I like how I learned about myself there. I like the second paragraph because now he's getting into his old selfish thinking. So if he opened the affair, he's afraid it would destroy the partner, disgrace the family, and take away his means of livelihood. Um, I think he was probably a little more concerned with himself. What right had he to involve these dependent, those dependents upon him? Um, I think he was really more afraid, which it says, that he was afraid. I think he's more afraid about really what's going to happen to him. And I, I sometimes have to watch out for this um, altruism that I have now in the program and how much of it I'm using to, yes, in fact, it is going to save me, just like he says, otherwise he'd start drinking again. But am I doing it, are my motives really for the other person or about, are the motives really about saving my own skin? And what I mean is the order of that. Helping the other person first and saving my own skin will come second as a byproduct. If I go to save my own skin first and the means of doing that is helping them and put them second, I am going to have to stand before my creator, I think, just the same. And also what I like, it says that after this sermon, he quietly got up. So this is a guy who, to me, is still um, possibly... Um, a little sheepish, a little just like he was with not telling his friend maybe that he didn't hate him. He's still not quite um, very bold, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think that that's something that um, I want to achieve. I want to be able to stand proudly and admit my wrongs and admit where I am today and not try to cut corners or shy away, um, not to be too loud and proud, but just to be... um, just to be unashamed. And I think that there's still a little bit of shame in this guy. But I'm glad he had a good recovery because it's hope for me. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lori T. Laura H. Good morning. This is Laura H. Can I be heard? I hear you, Laura. Thank you. Uh, Recovered compulsive overeater out of Chicago. Um, Yeah, the amends process, you know, We've been reading about it um, the last couple of meetings I've been to, and uh, I always like to uh, look at this process as a process of the mirror, you know, of uncovering the truth, of getting down to the to the truth and getting dirty. I mean, you're going to have to get dirty and get yucky and 
you know, as a compulsive overeater and a food addict, I didn't want to get dirty. I didn't want to feel these feelings. I didn't want to face these people. And um, I wanted to get over quick. But I love what someone else said. And in this story, we um, we see a good outcome. But that you need, you really, as an addict with an addict brain, I really need my sponsor to help me. And I'm just going to give a quick example. I'm in program now three years. Um, I've been working the program for a, about a year, and I, maybe my body weight had been, you know, decreased by 100 pounds. And anyway, I, I hurt someone very badly, someone I love and care about who was going through a really hard time. And I meant well. I truly did. And uh, just to give you the quick background, this person's family had cancer. I wrote the GoFundMe page, and uh, I had the, the, the charge of updating it. And uh, the person's wife wanted to contribute, but only I was the author of it. And so I edited all her work because that's what I do. I'm a school teacher, and I edited her work. She wrote on, you know, she had run-on sentences. She had fragments. She was, so I changed the wording without telling her. And in the, the update on the page, I said it was her words, and then I proceeded to make my edits known without her knowledge. Anyway, long story short, she was very angry, very angry at me. And she told me her truth. And instead of taking it to my sponsor, instead of working through it, because I'm newly abstinent, I did not want to eat or, you know, binge over it. I quickly <laughs> and very badly made an amends that was really underhanded. And uh, it was a mess. Because in my amends process, I basically, you know, you know, played the victim. Because why? Because I was hurting. So part of the amends process for me that I've really learned is the forgiveness piece. And guess what? For me, that takes a little bit of time. So, you know, I need to work through the feelings. If I am hurt, if I feel overwhelmed by, you know, they're telling me you hurt me, but then I need to say, well, you know, I I hurt you, hurt me, I hurt you, you know, and it's, it's a process. And if I try to make the amends without going through the forgiveness first, then I'm in trouble. At least that's been my experience. So um, it, it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool. In the, on page 80, the fourth paragraph we read, after consulting with his wife and partner, that's another valuable piece. Before, um, going out and trying to make your amends, we should talk to our sponsor. They will help us with that. And also sometimes it involves other people who are part of the situation just to get some feedback on that. Uh, we're never alone in this process. That's the beauty part. Left to my own devices, I got it to be 350 pounds and was out of control and had racing thoughts. If I work with others in this program of recovery, I find so much peace in that. Um, so grateful you're all here. So grateful to have this, this program, this book. Um, it is a blueprint for living, and it has saved my life. With that, I pass. Thank you, Laura H. Ramona A. Uh, hi, this is uh, Ramona A. I'm recovering compulsive eater in Vermont. And can I be heard? Yes, Ramona A. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, thank you for keeping this meeting going every morning. It's it's wonderful. So I am in the process just of, of finishing working on the end of step nine, and so all of these mornings have been uh, really, really good for me to hear. And I'm at the point of um, trying to find people that maybe I did some harm to about 
50 years ago or whatever. And I'm feeling felt so much shame that I never would do it before. So I'm thinking now of the what we talked about this morning, that let God take care of the outcomes. I have a sponsor, a guide, who is putting me through the ninth step that's really helping me to understand how important it is to seek out even these people and make amends. And I'm doing that. I'm doing it as to the best of my ability to find these people. And I became willing then to make the amends. And now I'm becoming not just willing, but I really, really want to because I'm seeing how freeing it is to make the amends um, and to see what God's outcome is. So I'm willing, I desire to go to these people and to let them know what I did and to actually let them know who I am, you know, and what that part of my character is and that I I don't want to be that kind of person anymore. So I know that I have to do it. Yes, I can eat again, uh, but even if that weren't going to happen, I find that I pray for humility. And if I haven't gone through these amends, I find that there's still ego creeping into my thinking uh, often enough that the good thing is that I'm aware of it now and that I can change, you know, and I don't have to act on it. But I really, really want the deeper humility. So that's that's what I know can come from doing the step nine really thoroughly. So thank you all for being there. Thank you for this meeting, and I pass. Thank you, Ramona A. Does anyone else like to share on the four paragraphs on page 80? Lynn S. Lynn S. Madam. Matt M. Barbara E. Barbara E. Okay. Lynn S. Matt M. Barbara E. Lynn S. It's your turn. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. I'm just thinking of the story that we read, and I'm listening to the shares, and I have an amends to make to a very dear friend, and this is happening on Thursday. It's just uh, sitting here listening, and as I'm listening, the fear of uh, making the amends and the reaction of this person and thinking maybe the fact that I didn't go to Australia is a lot bigger than I'm thinking it is. And then, of course, my head just goes and envisions all of this. And it comes back to me about trusting and relying on God. And my head flips that around and, well, if you trusted and relied on God, you would have gone to Australia and there wouldn't have been... And my head just goes again and thinking, you know, I so much want to recover from this disease. Not even thinking about going back into the food, which I know would be the end result, but I want to recover. I want the best possible relationship with this person that I could have. And that may mean that I'm held at arm's distance. That may mean 
that I don't get the friendship that I so crave and want. And my head has to turn around the fact that this is your punishment for the way you treated them to this could be a consequence or what's even worse, this is all the friendship they want with you. That could be it. But what matters so much is that I am willing to go and to tell this woman that I regret the way I treated you. You deserved a better friend. I can list a couple of examples. And then I love so much what I heard this morning, and I've I've forgotten the order already, but the bit about, you know, owning the behavior, moving on, and changing the behavior. And so I know that, you know, I will be there and the amends will be done. And thank you, God, that I'm getting to hear online other people's experience. We read it again in the book and I hear about the strength and the courage and the reliance on God that these people had when they made their amends. And it gives me strength. And it's the faith I know I'm doing what I need to do in order to recover and be the person that God wants me to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynette. Matt M. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. The Blower Eater from New Jersey. Yeah, you know, I I want to make an amends. I lied about myself being abstinent because my current living situation is very hard for me, completely food abstinent, because I don't have access to a kitchen. I don't have access to facilities to make food. And what I have to buy is mostly canned goods and stuff like that. But some of the things I'm eating are completely abstinent for me. So I have to redefine my abstinence. I had a friend of mine. She said she's going to stop listening to the morning meeting because I would get out and share that I was abstinent for three weeks or abstinent a week or here or two. And I, I that's a big, that's a big, um, Men said, I owe there. How do you make up for that? You know, and uh, I'm just grateful just for today that I'm going to admit that I'm not food abstinent, but my abstinence has to be something else that I'm not going to binge between meals and then I'm going to have my three meals. I'm just going to eat what I have have planned in front of me. But um, I'm grateful. I don't know how to make an amends to this person because I hurt them a lot from my lying and my cheating and manipulations. And machinations, I was basically a thief and a liar, and I would manipulate people and be giving me stuff to make them feel sorry for me by telling them, oh, God, this happened to me, oh, this happened to me, what was me, help me, please. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't ask for help, but they just feel like they needed to help me because of the situation I was in. And uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful today I can be out there and admit that. It doesn't make me sound like a nice person, but I'm being honest about it for the first time in a long time. And, uh, just for today, you know, at least I could say I can have one afternoon meal a day at least, my my breakfast, which is afternoon for me, but uh, the rest of my afternoons have to come, you know, from my higher power, between me and my higher power. And I can't expect, other, I'm, I'm not going to look to other people because I know I might be judged by it. So for me, my afternoons is to at least have one meal a day that's abstinent, and the rest of the meals I have to give to God and surrender and surrender to this process. That's what my sponsor said, and that's what I have to do. So... I'm just grateful I can be honest, and I'm grateful I can work the program one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. Barbara E. Barbara? 
star one to unmute, Barbara E. I'm sorry, did you call on me? This is Barbara E. Hi, Hi, Barbara E, I hear you. Uh, Oh, great. My phone was playing games with me. Uh, In reading this particular story about this man, the man confesses his sins to his congregation. But what about his hated business rival and the family of his rival? Did he go to them? Were they part of his congregation? He excoriated himself. He threw himself. He did the mea culpa in front of his church. But restitution to the people he had truly hurt, I didn't hear about that. Uh, For me personally, when I was making my list, my sponsor asked me, which amends would I be willing to make? Which amends would I not be willing to make? And which amends would I be willing to make in the future? Um, She also instructed me to let go of the harms that I had done many, many decades ago. Uh, If I had let go of the resentment and the guilt over it, uh, at which I did, because I had, I certainly had a whole bushel of harms that I had to make amends for that were more recent. There is a, an amend floating out in the hemisphere right now that I am nervous about making amends about because it does involve the possibility of money loss to my family, and that is scary to me. I have certainly made restitution in financial areas uh, to other groups and people and institutions. But this one is just hanging out there, and I have to give myself serious thought. Uh, uh, A woman earlier in this meeting said that she had gone uh, with trepidation but with boldness and God at her side to confess what she had done. And that gives me hope and the possibility that I, too, would have that courage one day at a time. Thank you so much. I share. Pass. Pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Would anyone else like to share on page eight? Lisa B. Lisa B. Anyone else besides Lisa B.? Page are we sharing on? Hi, it's Lindy F. I'd like to share. Okay, first I just stay on the line for a second. We're on page eighty, all four full paragraphs. And what was the name of the person who wants to share? Lindy, L I N D Y. Lindy, and the first initial of your last name? F F is in Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Lisa B and Lindy F. Lisa B, go right ahead. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for your service. I'm really grateful for this reading and this study that we do because I continue to learn so much. So the word shrink was used on the page, I think the page before. So it's been used at least twice that I can see, and I wanted to look up that word. It means move back or away, especially because of fear or disgust. So um, by the time I'm in step nine, I'm prepared not to shrink. I need to also remember the fear prayer that I can use every day for the rest of my life, you know, that I learned in step four. 
that fear prayer and um, asking, you know, what God would have me be. Please remove the fear and have God show me what God would have me be. And then also in this reading that we've read, you know, I see this like a formula that this wonderful big book is telling me. It's saying I need to secure their consent. I need to consult with others. I need to ask God for help. I need to see that this drastic step step is vital and necessary and not to shrink. So, um, but I need to remember when I'm in step one, you know, I can't look at step nine and think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do that. Each step builds on the other step and my higher power, um, you know, grows me. I mean, I'm, I'm growing in the process as I do these steps. The other thing I want to share is that as the promises start to come true for me, because in the ninth step promises, just by the time or I think it says more than halfway done, um, you know, so I start to feel good. And the most important thing I need to remember is not to stop because, you know, I'm an addict. I eat because I want to feel good. I've been seeking feeling good, you know, my whole life. So now I'm starting to feel good with the promises. And I was tempted to stop. And I did stop. You know, I had two or three more very important vital amends to, um, that I needed to do. I was starting to feel good, and I'm so grateful that I could feel my higher power nudging me, and um, gratefully my sponsor nudged me, and I continued on. And I didn't, now I see that that good feeling I was getting was just the beginning, that I needed to keep going because it's this vital spiritual experience that I'm seeking. Um, the other thing that I wanted to share on is I found step nine and the 12 and 12 helpful. It says good judgment, careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. And then it says the very spirit of step nine is readiness to take the full consequences. And that's what I need to remember. I can't try and dodge things because I don't want to take the full consequences. And I'm cutting, cutting myself short. I've been doing that my whole life. And then it says above all, we should try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we are afraid. And um, that fear prayer is so helpful and vital and the guidance that I get um, from my higher power and from all of you. Thank you for your service and for everyone that's on the line I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Lindy S. Hi, this is Lindy. Did you call on me? I called you, Lindy. Great, thanks. You know, when we meet on the actually hear what's going on. Anyways, I um, understand. I, yeah, I just wanted to share briefly, and where I live, there's one meeting, um, so it's my home meeting, and um, we changed it to a big book meeting, which is great, because it works really well then with this meeting. Anyways, we've been reading, actually, the fourth and fifth step, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and just starting eighth. But the discussion we had was really interesting last night, and it really tied into what we're reading here because it was, I think, separating the inventory from the amends, but also looking at how they're linked. And the discussion ended up including that to make a meaningful amend, for me, it needs to be a living amend. So... I can't really do a living amend if I don't see more than that one instance. I think when we make an amends, it's often about a particular instance, not always, but the inventory, because it's about our character defect, is about our ongoing, is about, for me, the inventory is about my ongoing patterns. So until I understand that, I can't make a, meaningful amends, 
because I won't be able to do a, a living amend. Um, that was, I think, really helpful. The other thing I have found, because I'm doing my ninth step now slowly, is that um, that discipline of only making amends for what I do. And I've made amends where I felt like the interaction was like 95% somebody else's fault and 5% mine. But I have found that I need the discipline of only making amends for my 5%. And, and then whether that's real, imaginary, whatever, it's like just my piece, however much it was. And however much the issue was the other person, it's like so freeing that that's not my problem. If if that person wants to make amends someday or feels like they need to, then that's up to them. And it's really hard sometimes not to engage or discuss or argue or whatever, but by not doing that, it ends up being freeing and it frees me from this chronic thing of being overly enmeshed in somebody else's issues and problems, and it lets somebody else's whatever be, be up to them, um, and I get to detach from that, which I'm learning, and like I said, is, is very freeing. So I think this is a very powerful process, and um, I'm grateful for it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lindy S. Is there anyone else who wants to speak up and share on these paragraphs on page 80? Penny C. Penny C. Hi, Penny. And maybe one other person? Okay, Penny C. Hi, Rebecca. Nice to hear you. This is Penny C. Recovered compulsive overeater in Red Sox Nation, also known as Boston. Uh, when I hear this story, it reminds me of a story that's famous around Massachusetts and also probably in the rest of the country would know about the Salem witch trials. And there was only one of the judges in, in out of five who realized the the wrongdoing convicting these people to to death um and and there's a huge mural in the Massachusetts state house of this man Samuel Sewell standing up in front of the congregation at his church in the mid 1700s and uh publicly confessing to his wrongdoing uh, so this story reminds me, this man had the humility of a Samuel Sewell to be able to go in front of his congregation, a, a congregation that, as it implies, he was not all that familiar with. He hadn't gone to church for years, and yet he had that humility. Dr. Bob talks so much about humility and even had a plaque on his desk with the description of what he believed humility was. So in order to do this eighth step and ninth step, I think what we're hearing in this story, it took courage. 
so much courage. It took humility, and it took the the uh, the wisdom to know enough to go to the people that would be involved, his wife and his partner, and tell them what he was about to do. So I take a lesson from this story that, you know, I go to any lengths if I if I have to stand in front of a congregation, which so far I haven't felt any need to do and make an amends for a wrongdoing. Uh, it's it's an amazing story, and it, it gives us also an uh, uh, example of going to any lengths. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Tennessee. Anyone else? We have time for one more share. G. Someone with the last initial G. Amy G. Amy G. You can close us out. Go right ahead. Hi. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. I just wanted to jump in here because, uh, you know, that saying, he didn't want to stand before his creator of this, uh, you know, of this guilt. And what came to my realization in working through these steps and getting this list on paper and starting to make these demands is that the realization is that I had a relationship. I had a relationship that I wanted to continue. And it talks about in the beginning of how it, in, how it works, you know. We deal with food, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without, without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God may find now. And the realization was that if I didn't make these amends, that relationship was not going to continue. That if I did not clean up the wreckage of my past, that I would not be able to have that relationship. And I wanted that relationship. I wanted that power. I wanted to continue to have that power. And I wanted to continue to feel free from the obsession of my compulsive overreading. That relationship meant something to me. And also was the realization that as terrifying as those amends were, the same power that was restoring me to sanity from my compulsive overreading would also go with me when I made those amends. I would sit and I would consult with my sponsor. I would make sure there was no impulsive decisions here, no compulsive, impulsive decisions here. Everything was thought through. Everything was worked out with my sponsor. I didn't do it perfectly, but I certainly made every effort to not do anything impulsively. And I wanted to be able to take that power. My, my sponsor would always remind me that my power was not myself and that my higher power would go with me with every single amend. And that was certainly the case for me. They didn't go perfectly, every single one of them, but I suited up and I showed up like everyone else has been saying, and that same power went with me, and I got through it together with you all, this program, and with God. And I became a different person. That transformation began with those events, I have to say, and that's why the promises are listed after that. This is something we must not miss and something we must do. And with that, in my humble opinion, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Amy G. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, August 7, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 10244. 10244. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164,
followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.